0: I've had three children and I've had one in my 20s, one in my 30s and then my last in my
1: 40s. One a decade, I love it.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) I don't think I'll be busting out another one girls in my 50s.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Talking
2: in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, motherhood, relationships, kids and culture. This is not a how-to but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by So, take a listen and let's find out what we all
1: have in common. Welcome back to Talking in Common. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode today. Hi, everyone. I'm Sophie.
2: And I'm Kate. We recently caught up with one of our beautiful friends, Leah Patara. Leah is empowering, she's passionate, and she's a very wise woman. She is a doula, a meditation teacher, and a mother to three beautiful children.
1: We spoke with Leah about some seriously good stuff like orgasmic childbirth, conscious conception, meditation, and even her personal birth experiences, which after her first one led her to really explore the path of home birth. She's extremely dedicated to her work in empowering women, and we think you'll really enjoy this conversation just like we did. Here she is.
2: Leah, my darling friend, welcome to Talking in Common. We are so excited to have you here to chat
1: today. I'm excited we both are. So welcome. You
0: You know, the feeling is always mutual.
1: So there's one question, Leah, that we like to ask all of our guests and it is, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh,
0: I actually wanted to be a flight
1: attendant. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, I love to it. Me it
0: was like the ultimate <laughs> job because you got to travel and wear the cool little suits and and I remember actually straight after Year Twelve, they were doing courses. On how to be a flight attendant Uh (laughs) and I didn't get accepted and I couldn't understand. Dreams shattered. You would have been the hottest flight attendant. Obviously bigger and better things out there for me (laughs) than the flight attendant.
2: Yeah. So we really want to chat to you today more about motherhood. So you have three beautiful children. Yeah. Ranging from three to (laughs) 18. So I'd love to know more about, you know, your transition from being an independent woman to becoming a mother.
0: So yeah, 18 to 3, it's, it is really poles apart, isn't it? You know, I've had three children yeah. and I've had one in my 20s, one in my 30s, and then my last in my 40s. So you can imagine the girl from the 20s to the 40s is also <laughs> poles apart. And so the transition and the natural evolution of myself in my own personal transformation has grown through each child and when I talk about motherhood and I talk about birthing each child, I almost refer it to almost doing a PhD, like each child really upgrades you. Every child brings a gift and every child teaches you different things but, wow, motherhood for me when I was in my 20s, well, I was in my first marriage at that stage and, you know, I think of myself back then and I don't even know who that person was. You know, so I was 27, I hadn't even hit Saturn Returns and I didn't even know that that even existed. So my background with, you know, my red thread, which is the mothers and the aunties and the womanhood, just didn't exist. So there was no guide mm. into this rite of passage of motherhood in my 20s when I was 27. Mm. And then Rongamai, who's my second, who's the six-year-old, that was 11 years later and, again, in another relationship, a completely different person. And then my third was an absolute Mm. transcendental experience on the couch at home and has led me now to this new phase in my life which I am rebirthing myself. So motherhood for me has been absolutely defining in my womanhood step by step and I always refer it back to when I say womanhood, it's the rite of passage of womanhood, it's the rite of passage of going from one stage to another. And I always love asking this question. I mean, does anybody know what rite of passage is? Like the
2: birth of a mother, right?
0: Well, actually, there are different rites of passages throughout your life. Okay. And the rite of passage, the word means, is a door that you walk into that you can never return. So once you open that door, once you walk into that door, you can never step back out of it. So I'll tell you the five rites of passages for womanhood. So the first one is your birth. Yeah. It's the imprint that your relationship, I guess, with the feminine, how your mother birthed you, then sets you up for how you step onto this earth. And Rudolf Steiner, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's a philosopher, you know Steiner schools? Rudolf Steiner says, if you want to know how your child would learn, ask the parent how the baby was conceived carried and birthed. So we know that the intent of conception through to the pregnancy through to the birth is so defining. So going back to your imprint on your first rite of passage of birth is everything. That then sets you up for your relationship with the feminine and then your rite of passage into your Mm menarche. Your menarche is your first bleed. So that's yeah. your adolescent. Mm-hmm. Then your third is motherhood, which is also blood. Yeah. Then your mm-hmm. uh, fourth is menopause, which is the stoppage, the stopping of the blood. And then the fifth is death. So the rite of passage for womanhood and the relationship with motherhood in the middle is everything. How you step into each phase and each phase sets you up for the next phase. It's interesting people don't
2: talk about it a lot but Soph and I have been speaking about it a lot together these past few months you know since Soph became a mum and I think it's something that you know when you're pregnant and you're getting ready for your baby everyone is so consumed by the baby and how's the baby going once the baby's born and a lot of people don't really take Mm -hmm. time to look after the mum and check mm-hmm. in on how the mum is going. It's an amazing time but such a challenging time as well and I think it's a time where we really need that support from our friends mm. and family and it can almost come as a bit of a
0: surprise, I think, if, you, if you're if you not ready for it. I think it can uppercut you basically <laughs> and I love exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. what you say there, Kate. It does. It's huge so when I get my girls in my room, in the womb room, and we talk about birthing babies, I say we're not just birthing a baby we're birthing a part of ourselves we're birthing you into motherhood Mm. we're leaving behind the maiden we're stepping into motherhood Mm. and if you don't have a red thread if you don't have a mum or an auntie or a nana or a sister or you know someone in that collective thread who can show you and guide you then it's a fucking wild ride and hang Mm. on because it does it affects you on a physical emotional and spiritual
1: level Hands down. Mm. It's such important work that you're doing, Leah, because in our culture, in Australia particularly, it's just not really explored or recognized or acknowledged that much, particularly that transition into motherhood. So I wanted to ask you being a pregnancy, birthing, and postpartum doula, we're dying mm. to hear about your personal birthing stories. You've got three <laughs> beautiful children, as you mentioned. <laughs> and um, from what I understand, each birthing story was quite different.
0: I love sharing my embodiment because
1: (laughs) I thought you might.
0: Your embodiment is your medicine. And Mm. if you can't Mm -hmm. share it, then how can people learn? How can people grow? How can you inspire? All my experiences, whether it's good or bad, they need to be shared. And it's really important for me to create a space for people to feel and show that vulnerability because everybody can be relevant to each other depending on their experiences. Because you're right, Sophie, it is case by case. And if you can inspire somebody, then we can eliminate trauma. Because if you can share and give people fucking heads up on how gnarly this is, then you're ahead. And if you're ahead, Mm. that means you've got a blank canvas because let's face it, life is pretty tough as it is. But if you can eliminate the imprint of birth and make it a more sacred and intimate experience, then tick, already, already you are a beautiful conscious parent. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, all three births were completely different. I was in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. My 20s I was...
1: One a decade, I love it.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'll be busting out another one girls in my 50s. (laughs) I think my womb room is my new birth, you know, and dedicating and devoting that to all the women. It's your new
2: baby. My
0: new baby, absolutely. So my first birth, Sophie and Kate... Oh wow, what an experience that was. I had absolutely no clues. Mm. I thought that having a baby meant having a nursery, getting mm. the nice car, having a baby shower. I think that's what a lot of people think.
1: Yeah, right. You
0: know, all the external, not the internal mm-hmm. work that I mm-hmm. later that I knew, about was where most of my focus went for that first birth. So in a nutshell, Manu's birth was full of intervention. Um, I was lucky enough to have a vaginal birth Mm. and he was stirrups, forceps, episiotomy. (gasps) Wow. um, Taken away from me for intensive care. Pain relief all sorts of pain relief. There was, it was in a Freemasons hospital. There was an obstetrician, paid a lot of money for an obstetrician. And that really set me up for motherhood, which was really traumatising. But I didn't actually understand mm. that until my second birth, until I totally embraced a real birth.
1: So what did you feel at the time after that first experience?
0: Actually, Sophie, it was a very numbing experience.
1: But you felt it was normal?
0: Well, I did. You know, I heard of my mum's stories. Mm. She didn't really tell me and express her feelings or how she felt in her birth. It was more about stories. And I just went Mm -hmm. along. You know, I could still cry even talking about it. It makes me feel really uncomfortable that I didn't know better. Because who does know better when you're a rookie? (laughs) Mm, Exactly. Who knows what it's like when you lose your virginity? Who knows what it's like when you take drugs for the first time? When you're in those states of phenomena and you're experiencing the first time, you don't know what you're doing. And through that experience with my son comes a lot of passion now with my experience and my observations and my hands-on experience with my clients who are rookies. If I can get my mitts on the rookies, we can eliminate trauma. Mm -hmm. So it took me 11 years, a new relationship, to go there again. And I did definitely grow a lot more. And it led me down the path of I wanted to have a home birth. I wanted an independent midwife. I was uh, 11 years older. I was 38. And Rongomai's birthday, well, her birth, is still to date the best day of my life. Oh, amazing. Still the best day of my whole entire life. Beautiful. It was that birth, it was that defining experience that has set me up now to do what I do. So mm-hmm. Rongamai's name is actually Heal Me Now Woman. You know, it's the Māori word for Heal Me Now Woman and, and she did, she healed me. Did you feel like you were reborn again as a mother? I was reborn as a human being. I got to experience exactly why I was here on this earth. I understood. The whole concept of living and life, like something just came over me and washed over me, and I was rebirthed. And it's exactly what yeah, and it's exactly what you talk about when we say we're not only rebirthing a baby, we're rebirthing ourselves.
1: So my my
0: midwife, Mm. I think it was a week later, and she was like, "Oh, Leah, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry about your birth. You know, it was quite a traumatic experience." And I said. (laughs) what do you mean and she said oh you know you wanted a home birth we ended up in hospital and I said um I just want you to know that that was the best fucking day of my whole life now the reason why I'm telling you this is because it's not necessarily about your stories It's how you feel Mm -hmm. about your story. So what she perceived as my Mm -hmm. midwife and what she saw as a separate person in in this experience was completely different to what I was Mm -hmm. experiencing. And the reason why Mm -hmm. I need to make this really apparent is because you can have a Caesar, you can have a baby on the back of a truck. It doesn't matter how you Mm -hmm. have your baby, what the story is, it's how you feel about it. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the empowerment of this feeling that I'm talking about is my
1: personal feeling. It's really important to say that and to allow people to be forgiving of their experience if it didn't go the way that they hoped.
0: You can still heal yourself.
1: Yeah. If you take
0: responsibility for your choices or the whole way along.
1: And what about your third? And then my third third bubba,
0: who's now three, she was at home. I labored her for maybe, I don't know, four hours. She was an orgasmic experience, a transcendental experience. You know, her name is Rangi Maria, which is peaceful morning, and she was born so peacefully in the morning and I could have a baby every day, you know. That's how beautiful (laughs) Oh, that's
2: so beautiful. You just mentioned that she was an orgasmic birth. Yes. Can you elaborate on this for anyone who's listening who may be interested in sort of going down this path, please? So
0: this is one of my favourite
1: topics.
2: So for you intrigued? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: I'm like popcorn in
1: hand. Yes, so ready for yes, this story? Yes, the Me too.
0: Wow. I love talking about this because especially in my work now, I talk to my girls about let's birth our babies the way we make babies. And mm-hmm. how do we make
1: babies girls? <laughs> how do we make babies? <laughs> like awkward school girls listen to us. I know, you're all giggling. You guys are ridiculous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> It really
1: does, it makes, it really does
2: love, make Leah. a lot of sense, doesn't it?
0: We make love. And how do you make, you make love? love yeah. You're intimate, Chris. Yep. It's in your own private space, your own environment. Yeah. And it's usually pleasurable too. It's exactly. It's very pleasurable. Yeah. And you set out an intent to have a pleasurable experience. So, you know, if you take the concept of making love in the hospital, Mm-hmm. With bright lights, with twenty people there wearing a blue coat, you know there's nothing sacred or intimate really about that, is there? Compared to if mm-hmm. you were to have a baby at home, the way you yeah. make love is at home. Mm-hmm. And so, if you can imagine, if you can imagine going something going into the vagina, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. and let's imagine that there's oxytocin, which we know that that's one of the the necessary hormones to have to help release and create the dilation in the cervix. And then mm-hmm. the endorphin rush through the body, while simultaneously your body is expanding, expanding into a ten, mm-hmm. going from you know one centimeter to ten centimeters to allow the baby to come out of the vagina. So you imagine mm-hmm. if we are love making, there's foreplay, and during that stage, you know he's getting you excited, you get him excited. There's kissing, there's touching, and you know your vagina gets moist gets ready for Mm -hmm. the penis to go into the vagina and it's no different in birth and so the Mm -hmm. vagina in the dilation period with the oxytocin and the endorphins running through if you know how to create natural oxytocin so let's say if you were kissing with Mackie yeah in your own private sacred environment that would make you feel safe loved and nurtured Mm. where then you would release let go and surrender therefore your cervix would then expand and let go and fully dilate for something to come out of the vagina pretty simple Makes, makes a lot of sense really makes sense doesn't it and it's not revolutionary information that i'm telling you this is Mm. this is like ancient and it's just yeah somehow girls we've desensitized the whole birthing Mm. experience and it is a very sensual sexual experience that we can have to create that beautiful sacredness while you're with your partner who you've made this baby with by the way and birthing a baby at the same time it's Mm. the ultimate experience
1: So when you called your birthing experience with your third child orgasmic, did you actually orgasm during the birth? Is that part of what you're explaining or is it more just the whole concept of bringing a child into the world through love and natural oxytocin and and a beautiful sort of comforting environment?
0: There's all different types of experiences having an orgasmic birth. There's a great documentary Mm. out called Orgasmic Birth. So for any of those Mm -hmm. who are listening to this, check it out because Mm -hmm. there's a great example of her. And if you watch it, you can see her. She's in the pool and her eyes are closed and you can see she's having a contraction, but we like to call them surges or expansions, and she's Mm -hmm. purring like a cat, She's moaning as if she's having an orgasm. So it's very interesting. The way that you show up with your partner and let's say you're riding him in your lovemaking is how you will ride your own surges, how you would ride your own expansions, how you will let go and just really Mm. move with your body. And so, Sophie, it's more a sensation, Mm, it's not okay. a Harry meets Sally, oh, my God, I'm having an orgasm. <laughs> it's more of a sensation that you can feel that builds up, just like how you are when you're having an orgasm. Through your mm-hmm. whole body. Your whole body, yeah. and you can feel it. It's very yeah. subtle, mm-hmm. and then you hook onto it, mm-hmm. yeah? And once you yep. hook onto it, you can snowball it, and it gets bigger and bigger. And mm-hmm. bigger and bigger until that energy then becomes a wave, mm. and then it washes over you. And it's no different to having an orgasm, or you know, if you're having tantra sex, or your yoga, or your dancing, any of that sort of subtleties of the phenomena that I'm talking about that all of us mm. have experienced, even if it's in like drugs or recreational drugs, which most of us have experienced. And I even use that as a reference point because it seems to me that most people have had experiences with the phenomena in a recreational drug experience and then they have or would want to in having a vaginal birth. Mm. So it's that phenomena. And once you mm. hook on to that in your birthing experience, it's a sensation of pleasure. That's Mm. within the cervix that builds up and builds up and builds up. And then it just explodes.
1: Mm. Amazing. And so therefore the
0: baby can then come down fully into the canal and then you have the release. And it could be several different types of orgasms. It could be very subtle. It just depends. It depends on where you are at, how much work Mm -hmm. you've done, how you show up in your lovemaking with your partner is exactly how you'll show up in your birth
2: okay. and I love that the
0: way you birth yeah. your baby
2: you're making is how me want to have another baby yeah
0: I, 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 I thought you were going to say you're making me do. want to
2: have sex
1: yeah oh, well and the if, way you know. that too
0: <laughs> and the way you birth your baby is how you is how you live your life
1: so let's rewind to pre-birthing and talk about conscious conception because I know this is something that you're very passionate about so can you tell us more about this and what exactly does that mean
0: I love the word conscious I mean it's so trendy isn't it (laughs) and so many people are using it and I don't feel like a lot of people really understand what it means to be conscious conscious is an intent so I can consciously take cocaine if I want to it's your choice you're choosing to do that Exactly. It's about knowing, have I got my head in the sand? Do I know better? Can Mm -hmm. I evolve from here? And which way are I going to move? Let me just clarify what that means. Conscious Mm. means I'm consciously aware. So for me, I consciously choose to create a child from love Mm -hmm. right from the beginning. What could I do to consciously... Create and bring down this soul where well, I consciously choose to make love. You know, yeah. I'm not just going to have a quickie. What can I do internally in myself? My husband and I, at that stage, were both meditation practitioners, and that mm-hmm. we were unstressing our body through a process called transcendental meditation. And using transcendental meditation, it releases and unstresses the body which prepares your body to be, I guess, in its premium state before you bring down a baby to grow into the vessel. So that's one thing that I teach is this meditation style. I usually allow a three to six-month period to really unstress the body. There's obviously diet. The other thing that we did was we were practising Tantra sex as well. So, you know, there's different things that different people can do. But again, conscious conception is about being conscious in the mind, the body and the spirit and how you can make that as high grade and upgrade each component before... Mm you bring that soul down into the vessel. And so we also say that the lovemaking is the invitation to the soul to come down and it's an, an agreement between three souls, the mother, the father and the baby. Mm, that's, beautiful. that's beautiful. That really
1: oh, resonates with me same too. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so
2: Leah, can you tell us more about your role as a birth doula? what someone can expect when they choose to have a birth doula as a part of their pregnancy and birth journey?
0: I love my role and I love my work and it makes me so happy to talk about Mm -hmm. it because I believe every woman deserves a doula and it gives me such joy and when I'm in my role I don't even know who I am it's like something is <laughs> channeling in through me and takes over my body and I am in the work of the goddess your face like just your...
2: started to glow when you were yeah. talking about that your whole face has just gone into this beautiful oh. relaxed glowing state not that you didn't look beautiful <laughs> two minutes Before, ago yeah. but yeah. I've just seen it come over your how passionate you are it's
0: amazing yeah I am I'm it's so passionate and it's it's, it lights me up. It really does light me up because that's exactly why I'm here. So my job is to fall in love with you. <laughs> to completely and utterly fall in love with you. Um, I am devoted to you. I am your sister, your mother, your auntie, your best friend. I am everything. It is my job to ensure that your desired outcome is in your birthing experience is my number one priority.
2: Mm -hmm. So what have been some of your, I guess, most cherished experiences so far as a birth doula or some of your most challenging experiences within the role?
0: Well, um, I had my first VBAC this year and a VBAC is someone who had their first birth was a cesarean and she was told she would never, ever have a vaginal birth and we achieved that. And so... (sighs) That was like, that was Amazing. slinging high fives
1: everywhere. A lot of people get told That's that, don't awesome. they, after a cesarean?
0: Yep. And it's rubbish. The key to that, Sophie, is doing your research, mm, mm-hmm. not taking that information as gospel, and surrounding yourself with the right team.
1: Yeah, exactly. And being strong with what, what your will is.
0: Yes. Mm. If innately, you know that there's something more. Yeah innately if you know something in your heart there's there's more for you and you want to experience that then invest invest in the people to support you in those choices yeah. mm. so that was a huge highlight for me all oh, my other highlights would have to be watching my um my nephew and my nieces being born how That's special that you
2: can sh- you were able to share and be a part of that
0: and to see my own sister yeah in that state, and and guide her in the birth preparation, and see her with her partner, and step back and witness that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel differently about that experience being your sister? Oh, or was it hard to watch her? In, or, yeah. Yeah.
0: Not really. I've seen her evolve. You know, okay. from her first birth, she's had three, two, and she's a completely different person. Each birth really upgrades you. You know, she's by the third, she was a total mad dog. <laughs> 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 Love it. you because... know and and was like you know four hours wow but all my girls are so special to me because like I said each one is so different it's always case by case and it's the work of the goddess mm. it's it mm. never gets boring it never gets tired I'm always high as a kite after it. Mm. I come home, climb into bed and I say, oh, I've had my baby bender, you know. <laughs> just
2: wired, you I'm can't sleep. Wired, probably. you know, been yeah.
0: up for 72 hours, I haven't eaten, I haven't slept energetically, you know, so mm. much going on.
1: So much energy. I had my mum with me for the birth of my baby girl. Now, Sophie, and I, think... I know
0: your mum's a guru because she's had six
1: kids too. She's had six kids. <laughs> I, know. I know. So this is the reason why I wanted her to be in the room with me. Like my partner's extremely nurturing and like we're very connected and I knew he was going to be amazing. But my mum's done it six times. Like it seems silly not to have her there with her experience and we have a beautiful bond and relationship as well. But I think on reflection for her it was quite traumatic. <laughs> Not, not in sort of a negative sense, but just because, you know, I was set on doing it without any pain relief and as minimal intervention mm. as possible and all of that sort of thing. I think she just found it really hard to see her baby girl in so much pain, knowing so well. I think it took her back, you know, after so many years, you, you, you sort of forget mm-hmm. and you only remember the good bits. I think it sort of took her back and she found it difficult to watch me in that state I think but it's so funny now we just laugh about it and we're so <laughs> grateful that we got to experience that together as mother and daughter it's truly amazing I think your mum you had your mum too Kate in both of your girls yeah I,
2: I did so and yeah. I, I remember in my second birth with Lulu the moment that my mum entered the room so she wasn't there for the whole labouring part but she was there for the end bit I was mm-hmm. on the floor and she walked in and as soon as I saw her I just burst into tears and I just got this like Mm. feeling of just I don't know I just needed her I needed her comfort and she Mm. walked in at the most perfect time and you know Mackie my husband he was incredible in both my births and we really got through it as a team he was so supportive but you know having my mum there as well was just really really special but she was in the room, but she sort of kept her distance at the same time. Mm. But just for me, knowing, knowing that she yeah. was there, it um, mm. was comforting. Yeah, it was really comforting. Beautiful And beautiful what, you, what you're both
0: talking about is the red tent and the mm-hmm. red thread. And you're right. Our partners are amazing and they are beautiful and diligent and available mm. in that moment. But there's nothing more powerful than the woman mm. who birthed you woman. in mm. you birthing your baby in that same space. Mm. And so it makes sense for them to have that profound experience on you and to give you that empowerment to know that you can do it.
1: So you mentioned before, Leah, your business, The Womb Room. Can you give us a bit of an (laughs) overview of what this beautiful sacred space is that you've created and what inspired you to actually sort of start a business out of it and share yourself?
0: It's so funny because I've always been Leah the birth doula right up to this year and then all of a sudden I went from Leah the birth doula to it's, oh, Leah the business, Leah the birth doula business. So The Womb Room is a component of what I do and it's a space and even though it was birthed through myself and a girlfriend when I had wrong of mine was we sitting at my house ha- my home and I was breastfeeding and she had her period and you know we were sitting there and we we're just talking about life we could have been bitching you know talking about our men or our vaginas or you know just all that sacred <laughs> stuff that you talk about that you know you can't really yeah. express and you know we both had our, you know I was breastfeeding and she had she was bleeding and she was like oh I love the womb room I feel so safe and nurtured here uh-huh. and that's how the womb womb room was was birthed was through my girlfriend called Bree so the womb room is a separate part to the birth doula work and it's I wouldn't even say it's mine it's a collective of all of us you know Mm -hmm. it's yours Sophie it's Mm -hmm. yours Kate it's a space where we all come to that we are all equal and we love each other unconditionally and share and exchange through giving and receiving the sacredness of womanhood. It reminds me and is inspired by the book called The Red Tent. It's about Jacob and his five wives. So it's back in that time. And it's a space where only women can go. And in The Red Tent, it's where you would bleed and where you would have your babies. And We would never wear any, you know, tampons or pads or back then. We would just bleed naturally onto the straw, onto the ground, and -hmm. we would help and nurture each other through birth. And it was a place where we were all equal. We were all there for one, together as one. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the womb room has originated from as well is from me reading that book. Um, mm. And in that space, you know, I do my appointments, but I also create sacred space circles. And I do mother and daughter circles. I do a birthing circles, anything that's relevant to those five stages that we were talking about in the rites of passage. Amazing. It's amazing. So at
1: what point did your passion for womanhood and sort of female empowerment come about? I think I have to be so honest here and it's because I never received
0: it myself and that's it in a nutshell. I didn't come from a red thread. I never Mm -hmm. had that relationship with my mother. I had my sister here, but it was birthed through me because I didn't have Mm -hmm. it. So you've created what you were missing. Exactly. What I was desiring and aching for and desiring and wanting such depth and connection with And not even understanding, even when I had my first period or when I was going through motherhood or when I birthed a baby, no one was there. Mm. Um, And it was such a lonely time, especially the time when I gave birth to Manu, my firstborn, um, that I realised I never want anyone to feel like that.
1: So during this time of the pandemic, how have you had to adapt through your womb, room and doula work?
0: Not going to lie, we've had a few sneaky little cheeky visits.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You need that support when you're pregnant.
0: Yeah. You know, you have to be able to see your doula
2: or your doctor, whatever it is, you need to be able to have that connection and and see people and be looked after.
0: Absolutely. And we will never turn our backs here. On anybody in the womb room, obviously we've been doing Zoom, like what we're like what we're doing right now. But Mm -hmm. the womb room is so tactile and it's so enhanced through all the senses, you know, through touch and smell and taste, and you know, I feed and cook and there's massaging and, you know, to get everybody in the womb room is where it needs to be at. But you know, we've had to obviously adjust to it. Um, Mm -hmm. The only thing that's been a negative is I can't go to the hospitals but it has encouraged and in sort of awakened women to thinking about having home birth. I saw that's gone up a lot the numbers of home births have really increased mm, yes. during covid which makes sense. Does. And so that's the positive in all of this. And now women are standing so sovereign and creating and you know making choices for themselves. So it's been I would say a positive Sophie. That's good to hear. That's amazing to hear.
2: So speaking of catching up via Zoom, Leah, you recently taught me transcendental meditation via Zoom, which mm-hmm. I have noticed such a positive reaction in my everyday life yes. since, <laughs> since completing this with you. And I really never thought I would be able to be a meditator. And yeah, I've noticed a real difference. So thank you for that. How do you think meditation can help women in particular through pregnancy and motherhood?
0: Well, meditation now is not negotiable for me. It's a ritual that I do every day. I do it as soon as I wake up. And if I had to choose between brushing my teeth and meditating, it's meditating. I've been meditating now for six years, twice a day. Oh my goodness. Meditation is a technique that should be so accessible to every human being, not just motherhood or pregnancy, but you know, the men, our sons, everybody in our community, everybody, it's such an insightful technique to have to help you to cope with the demands and the stresses of life. Mm. There are good stresses and there are bad stresses. And so what meditation does is it gives you a new platform on how to build up your resilience and how to respond rather than react. So you can imagine in pregnancy, you just go, what? what is going on (laughs) you know there's so much stress that's on the body your body's changing your external is changing your relationships are changing and it's a lot to cope with and when we meditate there's a new calmness and let's just say that beforehand that we're sort of operating on like this, at this level, like this peak, like a triangle. And when we go into this beautiful meditative state, that's 20 minutes a day, it just plateaus out just slightly. And in that state, you know, we can just top up and reset our body and our mind so then when we go back into the everyday life with our eyes open because we practice with our eyes closed, yeah? And it's easy to do a meditation with our eyes closed and it's easy to just transcend and it's easy to be still. But why we practice meditation with our eyes closed is so that when we step back out into the real world, we can take that yumminess, that calmness, the benefits that we experience in that beautiful meditation, that moorishness, of that mm. transcendental state into our everyday life. So, here's an example. I'll do my meditation and oh my god, we've got to go to kindy. Where's the drink bottles? Where's the beanies? Put your shoes on. <laughs> put your socks on. Why haven't you brushed your teeth? Oh my god, I've got to change you because
2: You're talking now, about my life, right? Leah.
0: And it's those mental little things on your everyday level, and then you're hopping the car. Oh my god, I haven't put any petrol in. Oh my god, I'm running late. It's all those little stresses that build us up, build us up, build us up. That when we start to meditate, and that's just one example, that those sort of things they just come up. They just you just you know you've got this shield up, and you just go, got it done, easy, great grab your shoes, grab your socks, okay, spilt that, let's do this. And it creates this calmness, it creates this um, awareness in your body that you're able to actually reconnect with your natural self Rather than operating from an egotistical self, if that makes sense. When you practice meditation and unstress the body, like I said, in conscious conception, it prepares you for pregnancy. It also helps you with your fatigue and throughout growth periods of pregnancy. And then during labor, I can teach you how to use your meditation to release the adrenaline and prepare you for established labor. And then it also helps you during breastfeeding. And then set you up for motherhood so it's such a skill (laughs) that is huge on so many levels and Kate I'm so pleased to hear that you're still reaping the benefits because you were a bit of a teacher's pet you're very good I'm so proud of you I've never been called a
2: teacher's pet before yes I was like she's doing a
0: good job tick
2: um no I exactly what you just said before I I really have noticed I'm so much calmer in situations where prior I would have just got myself so worked up and agitated and anxious and you react and you then you feel guilty about reacting a certain way and yeah.
0: you yell at the kids you yell, yell at your husband and it's
2: like it's not worth yelling about as you said that you forgot the drink bottle or the kids <laughs> spilt something on the carpet it's like okay cool yes. that's done now yes. let's move on we'll deal with that it's all good and that's a, as you know a basic example but i have noticed a difference so i highly recommend it to anybody
0: we call it being get you back to a state of being and that's who you really are rather than just running on adrenaline and you know looping in the stress
1: so you mentioned that it's part of your daily ritual which is amazing because it is quite a practice Kate and I both love a routine, a routine for ourselves, a routine for our kids, and we're also both quite partial to a daily ritual ourselves. So tell us a little bit more about some other daily rituals that you may practice. Mm. Wow,
0: I've been fasting actually for a while. What's a while? A while, I reckon now for two years. Oh,
1: wow! okay, hang on.
0: And I think that Fasting in the morning as a daily ritual has created okay. better, better energy levels for me throughout the day being a mother. So I have my last meal at let's say between 5 and 6 and then I don't mm-hmm. eat again until 10 or 11. So it's a 16-hour mm-hmm. fasting. That's a daily mm-hmm. ritual that I do generally from a Monday to a Friday. And then on the weekends, if there was cafes and we could go to them. That would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) Imagine. Yeah. That's actually one of my other daily rituals. My other one that I've just started doing since uh, the beginning of the year is cold showers.
2: (gasps) Yes, I do My husband does that. He does a two minute cold shower every morning. Yeah. Do you just feel like, woo, like so...
0: Energised and
2: revived. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I don't do it every day, but I have had the odd cold
1: shower and I do feel great. I should get on board, but I'm a bit of a wuss, I think. Yeah, get on board. I really love that rush of jumping into the ocean. Yeah. You know, it's not something you can do every day when you live in the city, so it's like the next best thing. Oh, the
0: ocean is so good, Sophie, so good. Mm. And one of my other daily rituals, which I do do, is journaling. So I've got, especially now, there's so much going on in my little noggin and it just Mm -hmm. releases and let's go I, like and I free write like I just like if anyone was to pick up my journal they'd probably lock me up but um <laughs> yeah.
2: I need a good book to read Leah yeah,
0: Leah's journal <laughs> the, the chronicles of Leah
1: I've also tried journaling at different stages in my life and during pregnancy was when I was quite sort of dedicated to it, but I find it funny when I read back what I've written now because I write to myself in the third person. I the, the first page that I ever journaled, like you know, quite a few years ago, I didn't know where to start, so I started writing like a storybook, and then that just kind of became naturally my way. And I sort of like talk about myself in the third person like a character, and it's just like that's just my way of doing it. It's quite bizarre. <laughs> I'd also like to read your journal. Give us Sorry. a demo. I'm so
0: curious. <laughs>
1: I haven't got it with me, but I, one day I'll, I'll read you an excerpt. I promise. <laughs>
2: love that. Okay, so Leah, one last thing: what do you like to do for yourself when you just want ultimate self-care or just Leah time?
0: It's definitely beautician, hundred percent. Yeah, like I I'm love a facial. Same. I love yeah. a bath. I've just Probably started going oil. to. <laughs> yeah, I've just started going to the sauna. Infrared saunas, I yeah, anything like that. Yeah, I love, 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 love.
2: Amazing. Well Leah, you are such a wise woman and your passion and everything you do is infectious and so refreshing. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing yourself with us today. We really appreciate it. And Mm. I can't wait until we can actually see each other in person soon. That'll be amazing. Mm.
0: Thank you so much for having me here and just talking about my offerings and i really hope that it inspires other people who are wanting to birth a baby but realizing now that they're also birthing a big part of themselves so yeah i'm in Mm. the work of the goddess so thank you for giving me the opportunity
2: that was so refreshing catching up with leah you can head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes and to learn more about leah and her business the womb room Make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at TalkingInCommon. And as always, thanks for listening.